Hello and welcome to all of our listeners around the cricketing world. I'm your host Nick Skinner and today we've got a bonus episode from the Emerging Cricket Podcast where we review the recently concluded T20 Tri-Series in Nepal, also known as the Bajaj Pulsar Tri-Nation Series Strength Partner Shivam Cement. Uh, the three teams involved were, of course, the hosts Nepal, as well as the Netherlands and Malaysia. Nepal triumphed in the final on Saturday, beating the Dutch by a whopping 142 runs to claim their first win in a home tournament for over a decade. But before I get too far ahead of myself, it's time to introduce three special guests, uh, an EC writer who's been keeping an eye on each of the three teams. So we've got Rod Lyle, our Netherlands correspondent, Nishad Rago, who watches Southeast Asia for us, and our man on the ground in Nepal, Depeche Pandit. Welcome, fellas. Hello. Hi there, Nick. Hi, guys. Hello. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste, Depeche. Namaste, Depeche. Now, I, I would like to start with a bit of a sort of top-line overview of the series, and who better to go to on that front than Depeche, who was on the ground? Uh, how did you see the series? What was the organization like? What was the atmosphere? I know there weren't crowds for all of the games, but there were some, some great scenes in the first couple of matches. Yeah, thanks, Nick. And uh, it was amazing. I mean, the atmosphere, the uh, crowd here in Nepal, it's always fantastic to have all them here. And, you know, there were around uh, 10 to 15,000 crowds uh, gathering to watch the first match of Nepal, the opener uh, between Netherlands and Nepal. So it was a full house crowd. And still, uh, there were, uh, you know, half the numbers of people outside the ground, you know, waiting for those tickets and all. So it was a full house crowd there. And atmosphere was amazing. And, you know, the opener, it was, you know, as expected by everyone. So, yeah, that was uh, all about here in Nepal. Now, for us uh, watching from afar, um, I know the fans got kept out after a couple of matches, but we, we did notice that they were sort of peering over the fence um, watching the game, even even though they weren't supposed to be there. I, I think we, as you know, l- watching through the internet, we had a few problems with the stream. Now, obviously, you wouldn't have had that issue being there on the ground, but um, outside the stream issues, I, I liked the schedule uh, as a good way to get through the series quickly. You know, we had the matches, the double round robin all, all over in a week and then a rest day and then the final. And so how did you see it with the players going through their routines and, and resting up and did, did they get too tired or, or did, was it, um, you know, w- w- did they have the endurance to, to go through it? Uh, well, speaking about Nepali cricketers, uh, they have they are quite used to with these uh, schedules because you know we have been playing uh, with similar schedules in uh, domestic cricket matches here in Nepal. But you know, speaking about the international uh, match, uh, I mean T20 international status, uh, so uh, it would be quite you know uh, tiring for you know Netherlands and you know Malaysian cricketers. But you know, uh, Nepalese cricketers they are quite used to with these um, uh, you know uh, schedules. So we are playing you know, with uh, this uh, similar schedule here in Nepal. So I really don't think that, you know, they were, uh, it was quite uh, tiring or something like that. Depeche, do you think the altitude made any difference to teams who are used to living at at sea level or in the case of the Dutch, mostly below sea level? (laughs) Uh, Did you detect the effects of, of playing at altitude or do you think they adjusted pretty well? Uh, well, I guess uh, they must have just adjusted the, you know, the altitude, you know, it's not quite, uh, it's not that high to, you know, face some uh, situation for, uh, you know, neither Dutch cricketers. So I really uh, didn't think about that uh, while in the series. Okay. Now, now, there was one interesting um, administrative issue um, that, that we sort of, we noticed uh, watching the streams, and that was 
the uh, the question of whether there was a super over in the Dutch game against Malaysia. Now, for some reason, there wasn't a super over, uh, but the commentators and, and the organisers didn't quite seem to know what was going on. Depeche, did, did you get informed about whether there would be a super over? Because apparently the players were told that they weren't doing super overs, uh, but sort of no one else was. Uh, yeah, I was also quite confused about the, you know, whether we are going to have a super over or not, because, you know, I was not at the ground uh, on that game. But however, I was uh, following through my, you know, laptop and phone. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I had uh, got a message that, you know, because of the court of time, they are not going to have a super over on that match. But, you know, uh, it was, uh, I guess it was uh, tweeted uh, as well from the Cricket Association of Nepal as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I had got a message on that day. Well, well, there is um, a provision in the playing conditions for um, for super overs to not be played if there's a time constraint, which was what was invoked with this game. But I, I don't. I mean, I think they probably could have played one. But my personal view is I don't really like super overs anyway, so I, I wasn't too sad to see it not happen. Especially in a league context. Well, exactly. When you have, when you have a league with points, why do you need super overs? So yeah, I mean, you don't need a tiebreaker. Um, it's just. I think fashion, um, and it is, as you say, in the in the standard T20 international playing conditions of the ICC, not in the laws, but in the playing conditions. But I don't think I don't think we were at all worse off for not having a super over. No, I agree. <laughs> now, just opening it up a bit, what did you guys all think of the um, the the pitch and the outfield? Obviously, Depeche, you can give us your thoughts first, but it looked to be a bit quicker as as a pitch. We saw some good bounces going through, and and it seemed to be coming onto the bat a bit better. How did it look uh, from from on the ground? Well, the, you know, regarding the pitch, you know, it got quite time during the lockdown and, you know, the matches, they were not uh, played uh, during the uh, lockdown here in Nepal. So it, the pitch curators and the groundsmen, they got time to, you know, uh, to prepare the pitch well. And after the lockdown, uh, we had, you know, uh, the domestic tournaments. It was also a scene that, you know, we had seen some, you know, high scoring games and pitch, uh, pitches, they were, you know, supporting the um, um, uh, fast bowlers. Uh, it was quite, you know, slow previously, uh, supporting the, you know, spinners. And, uh, yeah, I talked about these, uh, you know, peace conditions before the tournament uh, series as well. And, you know, uh, it behaved uh, likewise. So, uh, yeah, it was quite, you know, um, uh, predictable uh, before the tournament as well. Yeah, I mean, they, they were obviously pitches which were designed to favor batting because that's how t20 works hmm. uh, it's a miserable it's a miserable life being a bowler in t20 <laughs> especially especially if you if you don't have the variation and the control and i think that's something we will probably come back to when we when we analyze each of the teams plus the boundaries are quite small so the bowlers were onto a high on a hiding to nothing i think a lot of the time on the other hand Clearly, Nepal's bowlers used the conditions, particularly particularly the pace bowlers, used the conditions much more effectively than the the Dutch and the Malaysians. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, not just, you know, before the series, but, you know, we had some, um, you know, similar situations in the uh, domestic tournaments here in Nepal as well uh, previously. I, and, uh, yeah, peace was quite favouring the seamers and... Uh, uh, Nepalese bowlers uh, really uh, used that, you know, uh, condition very well. Yeah, I thought the pitch or the pitches were really good for cricket. Good, good competitive pitches. There were there was actually quite a bit of turn as well for 
particularly the leggies, the the, the, the young Dutch mm-hmm. leggy and, and Sandeep also got a lot of purchase. And good bounce as well. And good bounce, absolutely. Um, so I think, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, Rod, when you say um, it was about understanding what the pitch was doing and, and having the control and variation, um, especially with the small boundaries uh, to, to, to deal with it. But, yeah, but the margins, the margins are tiny. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair comment. Um, and when even when even a good ball goes for four, uh, and a poor ball will almost guaranteed go for six, you really don't have a lot to work with. Well, speaking of uh, of batting and uh, hitting lots of sixes, uh, Nepal's effort with the bat was really the story of the tournament. You know, we've seen a lot in the past. They um, they struggle if they get one or two quick wickets, and especially if Paris Kadker gets out early. And yet here we have them. With no Paris Kadga, who you pulled out with a shoulder injury before the tournament, and they passed 200 in three consecutive matches, and also had a couple of nine-wicket wins. So that's, um, you know, they've, they've unearthed some great batting talents in uh, Kushal Bertel and um, Asif Sheikh at the top of the order, as well as Kushal Mala, who's come in um, after his his uh, impressive debut in the ODIs. He's come in and hit 50 as the youngest to score a T20I 50, as well as um, the youngest to score a, 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 an ODI 50, scoring it uh, two days younger than Frank Akankwaza, who was the previous record holder from Uganda. So, um, you know, Depeche, what's happened to Nepal's batting? You know, we, we're used to them being a, a bowling-heavy side, and yet here they are smashing sixes for fun. Well, I was quite amazed, you know, seeing the <laughs> batting of Nepal, especially we had problems uh, in the uh, top order, uh, as we all know that. And you know, after uh, the uh, it was quite uh, it was quite uh, a tricky situation after you know uh, not having Paris on the squad because of his injury. But however, you know these uh, young boys, uh, as uh, spoken by the uh, um, uh, head coach uh, Dev Whatmore, uh, he said that you know he only had one spot to fix these uh, openers, and you know why not to use both of them uh, in the absence of uh, Paris? So he used that. And it was amazing. But, you know, uh, Kusal Bhutil, he had been hitting boundaries uh, here in Nepal. He had a fantastic boundary rate. Uh, I mean, he's a 66.5 percentage around, uh, you know, um, his uh, total runs. It was uh, contributed by his boundaries. Uh, but, you know, previously he was uh, batting at the lower middle order. But, you know, he is, uh, after, before uh, two or uh, three years, uh, he was uh, gradually, you know, stepped up the order and he was playing as a, a opening batsman. And he was waiting for this uh, perfect, you know, uh, situation or, you know, for his, uh, for, he was waiting for this perfect debut and uh, he grabbed it absolutely. And uh, yeah, it was amazing to see here in Nepal. Yes, uh, Bertel hit three consecutive 50s, uh, the first person to do that. Um, hitting consecutive 50s in his first three matches. Uh, he also hit another 50 in the final, so he ended up with four out of five starts <laughs> hit, passing 50. Uh, where did he come from? Because, you know, he, he came onto the scene relatively late for a Nepali batsman. I think he's around 23, 24. You know, a lot of the time they, they burst onto the scene as teenagers. Um, where, where's he been hiding? Uh, well, he, he played an under-19 World Cup with uh, Sandeep Lamy Sane in 2016. Uh, and uh, later, uh, he was, you know, um, playing around in the domestic franchise leagues here in Nepal. Uh, you know, the Everest Premier League, uh, Pohara Premier League, Dhangari Premier League. He was, uh, you know, actively, um, you know, quite... He was not quite scoring the runs at, you know, as expected that, you know, we had uh, openers like, you know, 
uh, Ganendra Molla himself was opening and you know, Paris was opening at the top order. So, you know, he was not finding a place before, but, you know, after the uh, lockdown, it was a Gautam Buddha Cup, you know, he slowly, you know, emerged uh, from the Gautam Buddha Cup, becoming the uh, player of the, uh, I mean, the best batsman of the tournament, scoring the most runs. And uh, he was uh, uh, opening uh, on that uh, tournament as well. So, uh, slowly, uh, he, you know, uh, he impressed uh, the coach selectors as well, uh, scoring the runs and, you know, uh, he was doing quite well in the domestic circuit as well. And uh, finally, he got his uh, debut uh, on this tournament. I mean, I, yeah, I was quite pleasantly surprised to see the way Nepal batted. I've never seen it before. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think what, what, what's, yeah, what, what stood out to me was the, the fearlessness um, and the willingness to, to to hit shots from the word go, and but also the ability to and the command over those shots. I mean, Bertel, for example, it was hitting, he was hitting sweep shots. He was sort of you know sixes over cover and long off. Uh, just had had everything and was able to pull it off game after game. So uh, I mean, clearly something's changed <laughs> under Dav Watmore as well. I'd be interested to know. Uh, what I really uh, feel is, you know, after the arrival of uh, Dev Watmore, uh, he has really changed this, you know, this uh, natural ability of players to, you know, uh, go there and play fearlessly, you know, their natural game. And he has been inspiring these uh, cricketers, you know, young cricketers. Uh, I mean, on your day, you can do anything. And, you know, uh, he has been really inspiring these young cricketers. And, and that really uh, showed up in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, it. they weren't just slogging. They were... They were hitting proper, proper cricket shots. So I remember yeah, one innings, yeah. one innings in particular where Bertel first ball uh, played the most gorgeous square cut for four. And okay, the ball was outside the off stump and there to be hit, but but he played a glorious shot. So it's not just that they are um, very effective hitters in T20. They 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 can play, and it would be interesting to see them using the same skills over at least the ODI format or, or the one-day format where they are um, able to develop an innings with the same aggression but over a, over a longer period. They never looked in trouble. And maybe one of the question marks that that leaves is given that, given that Nepal was never, never put under pressure in the batting, they never, lost, they never lost two or three early wickets in the power play. That raises, I guess that raises questions which are unanswerable about how the middle order would cope if they w- if they were under pressure, but given that neither of the neither of the opposing sides were capable of creating that pressure, uh, that's just an unknown for the present. Yeah, well, I mean, they they still have a longish tail um, with you know someone like Karen Casey coming in at sort of seven ish, but but then when he got his chance, he he took it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> forty-five off. I think it was thirteen balls or something ridiculous like that. But yeah, um, crazy. But yeah, I, I'm just looking looking at this. Nepal's got a sort of almost a, a pleasant dilemma to have. You know, Paris is out at the moment, but when he comes back, who do they leave out to to fit him in? Because they've got a lot of a uh, lot of good talent suddenly, uh, right? All you know, competing for spots. Yeah, that that that's. That is really going to be tricky after, you know, after Paris uh, his arrival. It's uh, really going to be tricky for the selectors. Yeah, I mean, when you see, when you see someone like Sharad Vesalka in the commentary box, you know, one of, one of Nepal's best batsmen after Paris over more than a decade. I, I was, again, quite, quite surprised having not followed the domestic 
competitions recently close very closely uh and, and i was wondering you know why is he is he injured has he retired what's what's going on but but you know clearly they've got new talent um so it's wonderful wonderful to see yeah, one one little stat just to finish off, you know, underline the point about Nepal's uh, you know newfound ability to clear the rope. They they hit sixty one sixes as a team over the five matches, and that's more than the other two teams combined. Malaysia hit twenty eight, and the Netherlands hit twenty five. So that's um, that shows you how much more aggressive and more you know capable they were of, of clearing the rope. Um, and you know, on on the bowling side, I think I mean Sandeep's obviously the big name. So so let's go to him first. He Looked a bit underwhelming, to be honest. Uh, he he seemed to be obsessed with bowling googlies for some reason. I don't know what that was about. And he got pumped by a few of the opening batsmen. His economy rate in four out of five of the matches was above the innings run rate. So he was being taken for runs, even though he, he still managed 13 wickets. Uh, a lot of those were from you know batsmen trying to hit out against him, which is often how leg spinners get their wickets. But yeah, what what do you think? Uh, you know, what did you think of Sandeep's performance, Tapesh? Uh, well, uh, it's no wonder that you know he has taken you know thirteen wickets in this series. But however, you know his economy is quite a uh, you know um, it's quite an issue uh, as well uh, because you know as a uh, as a star bowler of the team and you know as a most experienced bowler uh, traveling all around the world playing the T20 matches uh, across the world. And, you know, you really need to uh, uh, bowl some uh, economical overs along with, you know, uh, picking up wickets. But, however, I really think that, you know, he uh, needs to, uh, he needs to work on his variations much uh, at the moment. And, you know, I also feel that, you know, he's, uh, uh, whether he is being some uh, sort of, you know, he's... Uh, uh, is he predictable uh, or something like that? Yeah, yeah but uh, he really needs to work on his uh, variations at the moment. Yes, as 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 Nick said, he was using using the googly as the, as the stock ball most of the time. And once they figure that out, uh, again on a small ground for a leggy, it's not good news. I thought he was much less effective in this tournament than I've seen him in the BBL, for example. Maybe in conditions, bigger grounds, maybe in conditions which which gave him more help. But then also against batsmen who are um, have better reputations, at least uh, in international cricket. Uh, so that was, I think, that was a bit of a surprise. Do we think it's a bit of a, a mental thing? Do you, I don't know if he. Um, I don't want to be unkind, but you know, do, does he think perhaps he's a bit above this sort of stuff? Well, I really don't think about that at the moment, but you know. Uh, his obsession with the googlies, as you said earlier, uh, it might be a reason. And uh, I guess, you know, he's quite being predictable at the moment, you know, by the for the batsmen as well. Yeah, I mean, he's, he still had double double the wickets uh, of, of any other bowler. And maybe that says a, a bit about the contest between bat and ball um, as well. The fact that his economy rate was was quite high i mean it's a bit it's a little bit of a trend in in the associate world um uh in relation to sandeep because even in the um in the qualifiers in singapore i think this was 2019 prior to the last t20 world world cup qualifiers you know that he was well worked out and i remember the final where tim david just took him to shreds 
So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. He's definitely the most watched associate player and teams know they're coming up against him and batsmen probably prepare uh, and think about him a bit more than they do other bowlers. So, yeah. Well, looking to the seamer side of things, because the pitches, as as mentioned, were a bit more seam friendly a lot of the time. You know, the the old faithful, uh, Kara and KC, uh, Sompal Kami both um, grabbed a bunch of wickets and, and were quite hard to get away. Um, what did we think of, yeah, N- Nepal's fast bowling stocks here? Obviously, it was, um, you know, as, as Rod said, they're on a ha- hiding to nothing, but I think they acquitted themselves quite well. Better than the others. Certainly better than better than the Dutch and the Malaysians, I think. And we saw in the final that, that once he was on top, Karen Casey could really exert the power and I don't think we should forget Bahara either, who was a bit more expensive, but also um, bowled a lot of very effective Yorkers at, at crucial moments. Uh, yeah, Avinas Bohra, he really tried for those Yorkers. You know, his uh, plans were very good, uh, but his executions were quite lacking in the, uh, you know, previous uh, games. Uh, but on the final, he really did well. And, you know, the young David and uh, Kamal Singh Oiri, uh, he really had a good debut series on this tournament. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, regarding, you know, Sompal Kami, I really feel that, you know, he's uh, back to his, you know, best uh, at the moment because, you know, Sompal Kami, what he was known for previously uh, on this series, he really did well. And Koran Kesi, what do I say about this man? <laughs> it's amazing. Indeed. They bowled the right lengths, I think. Yeah, they bowled the right lengths and the right line. And they did it consistent. On the whole, they did it consistently. Okay, they got smashed once when the Dutch chased 200 but but in general they 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 bowled the right line and length I think so you mentioned the Dutch there uh, they did chase 200 against uh, Nepal in their second group match they got comprehensively beaten in their other two games against them the first group match and the final um, I think Rod give us your thoughts I, I I think they looked a bit undercooked do you reckon that's fair or are they in serious trouble or, or are they just a bit rusty? I think you have to you have to recognise what the team was. Um, it wouldn't quite be true to say that it was the Dutch A team, but they were missing seven players uh, that I would expect to be playing in the, uh, the in the rest of the, for the rest of the year because the choice was made. Well, partly because county players weren't available, but also the choice has been made consistently by Ryan Campbell, the national coach, to give. Dutch produced players every chance to stake their claim for a for a place in the side. So it was a very young side. It was a pretty inexperienced raw side. A couple of debutants uh, who got limited opportunities. It would be fair to say. So I think overall the reputations of Max O'Dowd and Peter Saylor were confirmed as clearly O'Dowd with the bat, Saylor with the ball, very much the be- the best established players in the side. Uh, ben Cooper, Scott Edwards did themselves no harm. Probably in terms of emerging players, Buster Leder's one winning innings marks a, a step for him. The 81 not out, he scored. Philippe Boisavin, the, the leggy, bowled some good deliveries, but never a whole over of them. Um, Tony Stahl got limited opportunities in the middle order. Again, didn't really do himself any harm, I think. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I think limited limited development, it would be fair to say, which is a matter of concern, and especially especially in the bowling. And I suppose one of the big disappointments was that 
that uh, Viv Kingmer and Paul von Makerum, both of whom have quite a lot of international experience, really were unable to bowl with the kind of the kind of menace that you need from them in that situation. If you compare them with Karen KC, for example, they were all over the place. And whether that was the 18-month layoff or the conditions or what, uh, it's nevertheless one of the more disappointing features from a Dutch point of view, I think. Yeah, I, I thought what, what, I mean, what stood out, what was really positive about the Dutch uh, approach was that Ryan Campbell and Peter Seeler put their youngsters in, in positions um, where um, you know, they, 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 they kind of could make or break the game. Yeah, true. So, for example, in the final, um, Boisavan came on in the third over, you know, a big, big final, yep. big occasion. You, you give your youngster a go, you see how he, how he does. And he got a wicket. And he got a wicket. Uh, so I thought that that attitude and approach was, was really pos- a positive thing about the Dutch throughout the tournament. It, it, it obviously didn't come off some of the time, perhaps most of the time. Uh, but but maybe that's what that's why this side was picked um, to put to, to 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 give them opportunities in tough foreign conditions, and ultimately it'll serve them it'll serve them well. Absolutely. Another example of that is that Ariane Dutch on debut bowled a fairly nightmare first over in the first game, but was back to bowl the first over in the second game and got two wickets against Malaysia. So they persisted with that approach he didn't do it again but the fact that they didn't just take him out of the attack after that first experiment but gave him a second chance where he did much better will have done him the world of good and although he didn't play in the final he and and I guess Julian DeMay as well who was also uh, in his first tournament will have learned a huge amount from the experience as hopefully will the the teenager Vikram Singh who only got one game yeah, I thought that was a bit strange. He's he's sort of he's being touted as one of the the next generation of you know big Dutch talents, and he only gets one game, faces five balls. Thanks for coming. <laughs> he's a work in progress, but then so is Buster Lader. Probably more progress in with the bat than the ball at the moment. Um, but that may change as well. Yeah, the the ball, as you said, the, the bowling was definitely the the problem for the Dutch. For me, I think the most disappointing thing was the lack of discipline. You know, they they bowled. A lot of very wayward overs, um, and, and guys like, as you said, Kingma, Paul van Maker, and Paul van Maker went wicketless. You know that's that's not good enough for a guy who's you know supposed to be theoretically going to be leading the attack. Uh, Kingma, his bowling looked down on pace. I think he he looked fantastic with the with the glasses, but he wasn't bowling very well. Um, <laughs> and and they just had a lot of kind of medium pace, very hittable stuff coming from guys like Delader and Brat. Um, and I just don't know where they're going to find that cutting edge if, if not from their overseas players. And I know uh, Cambo wants to rely less on those overseas guys, and th- that is a concern for them. Um, Zayla, you know, was only bowler with an economy rate less than 9.5, and, and he was going at 6.5, which was quite good for this tournament. But, um, you know, they, they need other guys, you know, they need someone else apart from him. Yeah, and I think it's part of a it's part of a larger story as well about where where Dutch cricket has come from and where it's going. I was looking back at the two thousand and three World Cup, where admittedly they got badly hammered by the full members, beat Namibia, but every single member of that squad had learnt their cricket in the Netherlands, 
and all but one weren't Dutch-born. So the shift over 18 years from a Dutch side coming out of a playing pool, which was much bigger then, at the, at the, around the turn of the 2000s, but from there to where we are now, where if we had to rely, if the Dutch had to rely entirely on home-produced players in a World Cup or even a World T20, one, one hesitates to imagine what might happen against full members. Alas. Yeah. Depeche, did you want to talk about your experience with uh, the Dutch captain? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> your brush with fame? Yeah. That was the moment of the series for me, uh, personally. <laughs> and, <laughs> nice. Uh, that was amazing gesture shown by Peter Schiller. I mean, I have no words to say about that, you know. T- tell us what happened. Uh, well, uh, he was just changing around at the uh, player's box and I was just... Uh, uh, aside uh, to the uh, media box and I went to him and I called uh, you know uh, hi Peter and uh, he instantly knew me and brought the jersey and uh, I uh, you know I uh, gave him the cap uh, the traditional Dakatopi and uh, yeah that was uh, and he told me that I'm really doing good work at Emerging Cricket and that was amazing. <laughs> uh, an ambassador and a correspondent together at yeah. last. That was, that was, yes that was, that was fantastic. I was really out of the words, you know. I could not really speak. <laughs> Just on, you know, that that was a, a great gesture from from Zayla after, especially after losing the final quite badly. Um, Rod, I, I just wondered, you know, looking at their body language in the final, it just seemed like they, they gave up pretty quickly into it and they were, you know, they were expecting to get pumped while they were bowling and then they, their hearts weren't in the chase with the bat either. So is, do you think that's an attitude problem or they're just a bit, you know, tired? I think they were, I think they probably were tired. It was a fairly tough tournament for people who've been out of out of international cricket for fifteen months, eighteen months. But yeah, no, I think I think you're right. It was a it was an interesting choice to field first. I guess it's true that the week had proved that you could chase almost anything, but you couldn't chase two hundred and thirty eight. And the the result. The result was that they, I guess, panicked. It's not the first time we've seen that. Not even the first time we've seen that from the Dutch, I think, where the the runs on the board are so daunting that you start to make bad choices. But I also think that, yeah, they 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 did the sh- the shoulders did the heads did seem to go down quite quickly. And I think that would be one of the things that probably would upset Ryan Campbell more than anything else. It was quite interesting watching Ryan. When we got shots of him, it was quite interesting watching Ryan's body language <laughs> from the really from the first from the first game all the way through to the final. Uh, to be a fly on the wall in that dressing room, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's a, it was a shame because they had actually fought quite hard. If you think about, I mean, we've we've, we've been critical about from from uh, Maker and Kingma, but Kingma's final over in the tie against Malaysia. It was pretty remarkable. It was a, that was a, that was a great effort. Um, yeah, really, he nailed that Yorker on the last ball, didn't he? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So it was dis- particularly disappointing then because they had come back from a bad result in the first game to not only to beat Malaysia, who did very well against them, it has to be said, but also then to to get the better of Nepal in the second game, and then then for that collapse in the final, I mean a total collapse in the final. And again, maybe it's got also got to do with the fact that it is a young and relatively inexperienced team. Yeah, it was one of those things where where momentum, you know, the momentum shifted probably midway through the the Nepal innings, 
and it was all one way traffic from there and it's it's yeah it's just so hard when you when you've had 20 overs in the field you're looking at 240 and you're you've you're into the dressing room and you've got to start and you've got to hope that every single thing goes right now you you know that the mats is means that if you lose an early wicket or two it's it's yeah it's not looking great so I suppose expected in that regard I think that's right and we've I mean you see it you see it at every level we've seen in the past full member touring sides back in the days when there were proper test tours when the wheels fall off a touring side they really fall off and there is no, there is no way back and I think we saw that in miniature in, in a way in the final that, that the wheels just came off and then then every decision gets to be a bad decision. That said, I thought the, although that again, they were on a hiding to nothing, the attitude of people like Bratt towards the end of the Dutch innings, they batted sensibly and they got the score up at least towards 100. Um, they didn't throw in the towel. They, they, they fought in the closing stage in a losing cause. And I thought that was... That was an encouraging sight. Bratt's batting has come on a lot in the last few years, and he is he's now, I guess, a bowling all-rounder. But whether he is at the level to play on the full international stage remains a question. Yeah, lots of, lots of questions for Cambo um, as he sort of as he tries to work out what to do with his squad leading into the Super League series against Ireland, and um, you know what what might happen if. They can't get a good number of those county players released for, for the series. Um, and even before that, the A-team tour to, to um, Ireland will be interesting. It will be very interesting to see what team he picks for that. It will include a lot of the players who were in the ball, I suspect. And um, so moving on to the third team on the, uh, on the points table, Malaysia. They couldn't get a win. They managed to tie against the Netherlands, as we said. Uh, they put up a good fight against the Netherlands in both their games, actually. Um, they, they got thumped by Nepal both times, though. Um, Nishad, mixed bag, probably disappointing they couldn't get a victory. What, what did you make of their campaign? Yeah, it was hard. I think, yeah, it was hard to know what to expect before the tournament started. Uh, they were... The, the Malaysian squad was probably the most experienced of the three squads in terms of, well, the number of matches, international matches collectively played across a number of years. Um, and, 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 and in the past, they have um, had some quite remarkable performances at the higher levels of the World Cricket League against uh, Afghanistan emerging sides. Um, against UAE, etc. Guys like Anwar Arudin, Shafiq Sharif have, have been around for over a decade. They beat Nepal last year. So I certainly expected them to get a win. I expected them to compete against both sides. I, I, thought, I thought they would find it harder against the Dutch and probably have more of a mental block against the Dutch. It was the opposite. There were one or two interesting exclusions from the squad. Um, Saif Malik, who performed quite well in the in the trial games before the tournament, was not picked. Um, he's sort of top order bat, and I, ultimately it was disappointing mainly to see them their most experienced batsmen. Um, so again, Anwar, then Shafiq Sharif, Ahmed Faiz, not really performing at all, uh, and the the other. The other real clear um, 
trend was was the lack of penetration in their bowling. Um, I think Mohamed Wafiq was probably the most impressive of the bowlers, and he took three wickets. Um, he was the highest wicket taker for them across the tournament. I, uh, their, their spinners, Anwar Rahman and Pavandeep Singh, are accurate, but on those wickets, that on those small grounds, I think you need a bit more than accuracy, and and at, at this level as well, um, they're probably missing a leg spinner. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not overly surprised that they finished last, um, but I thought they'd, they'd win a game. Yeah, I was actually hoping for a tight contest between, you know, Nepal and uh, Malaysia as well, because, you know, I had been following their uh, domestic tournaments and stats as well. And, you know, before the tournament, I had also spoken to, you know, uh, you know Sayyid Aziz at the hotel. Uh, you know, there was a press conference and I met him there uh, along with his uh, team manager. And, you know, I was quite expecting for a tight contest and, you know, uh, I was not really hoping uh, like, you know, uh, Nishad says uh, previously, you know, with the Ardos team. But however, you know, they could give a very good fight to Nepal and, you know, they, they had, you know, beaten us last time as well. So, yeah, but however, you know, Virandip, he really played well. And, you know, Aziz, he did not, uh, you know, played to his, uh, to his uh, you know, what he could have done, but, you know, uh, this team really needs some applause from the fans around and you know this is really a good team to watch uh, in the coming days and to follow so yeah I'm really hoping uh, some uh, good uh, news and you know matches from Malaysia in the coming days Verandeep is clearly a class act I thought Verandeep was the standout player from Malaysia particularly his knock against the Netherlands in the first game was he kept them in the game and when he got out, that was the end of the game, effectively. So he is clearly the out, he was the outstanding player in in this tournament from Malaysia. Absolutely, yeah. I also thought Pavandeep bowling at the start of the innings was pretty effective, but yes, for the rest, disappointing. I think one would have to say, although they had good team spirit. Yeah, the way they fought against the Dutch twice, you know, is a is a is an overall plus. Yeah, I, I think. That was that's something that you'd noticed. Um, I, I like their attitude to the game and, and the way that they're they're not slowing down and they they didn't you know just fall in a heap. They just kept going and and still trying to hit sixes all the way down. You know they had got, I think it was number ten or eleven came in trying to hit switch hits and so it's 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 good that they're practicing those things and that they they're you know they're working on those skills. But um, I think you know looking beyond Viren Deep, who as you said. He's he's clearly the standout player for them. Amandin Ramley, um, he's he's an important sort of uh, run booster down down the um, down the order. But other than that, they, they were very brittle looking. I, I, I just yeah, it's one thing. I keep thinking, you know, you look at the number of participants they have and um, the the successful development programs going on back home in Malaysia, and they're they're they've been languishing in the lower levels of ICC tournaments for a number of years and they, they just can't quite seem to step it up against the bigger teams and I, I don't know if that's a mental block or, or what but it's it is quite strange that they've got all the skills it would seem but they don't they can never quite put it together yeah and and some of their some of their um some of their more experienced players looked like they had regressed a bit um perhaps it was uh, the fact that they hadn't played for uh, played internationally for a while, uh, but um, players like Shafiq Sharif, I've seen him score fifties against close to full strength Afghanistan side. Um, you know, uh, v- very very good players 
who really should be up there uh, in Asia. They're, 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 there's really no, it, yeah, it's a really good point. Uh, it's hard to, it's it's hard to understand why they don't kick on. Perhaps there's a level of comfort and complacency. Um, many of them are they're full time cricketers. They 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 have a they have wages paid through through the armed forces, for example. And there, there doesn't seem to be that level of competition coming through to unseat some of these players. And they 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 also for some reason tend to lose. A lot of very talented players. Uh, I mean, I've, I've lost count of the number of players that have come through the 19s um, and then have sort of disappeared. Um, even you know, Mohammad Shahdat Ramli, who was at the um, at last year's ACC T20 in Thailand, where they beat Nepal, one of the standout performers. Uh, I'm not sure why. Maybe he was injured, but nowhere to be found, and he was not in the in the in the pre-tournament training games as well so yeah it's an it's an interesting question yeah part of their problem i guess is that they lack pace bowling they don't have genuinely quick bowlers and as you said they don't have they didn't have a leg so the attack is pretty samey sort of military medium and fairly standard off spin left arm spin so the sort of trump cards that you need on the bowling side they don't have and the batting yeah too little support for Virendi. Yeah, Siders is was a, a bit of a disappointment. He's a he's a favourite of the uh, the Emerging Cricket podcast. He he got after Sandeep early one time, but he, he couldn't quite kick on. Um, and and I expected him to carry them home against the Dutch, and he sort of fell away again. So again, a, a, there's you know the showing glimpses, but they just couldn't quite pull it all together. Feel free to cut this, but I blame I blame Bez for that. <laughs> Too much pressure. A million runs. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> oh, but I mean, it was it was great to see them there, right? Um, and and it's testament to I think the Malaysian Cricket Association that uh, for a side that and 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 Nepal and Netherlands to be willing to play them because they're ranked uh, they they haven't got out of the sub regionals for a while. And you know they they were there. They competed, and they probably gave the Dutch, in particular, a different a different experience. And it's not often. When was it? Nineteen ninety four that they last played. Um, it's uh, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that was a great stat unearthed by uh, by uh, our friend Bertus yeah. de Jong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's good good to see them there. Yeah, and I think that's that's maybe a a point to take away, that we know how tough it is to organise these tournaments, how much effort uh, and negotiation goes into standing something like this up. So full credit to Nepal and also to the Netherlands and Malaysia for for having set it up and made it happen. I think that's a pretty good place to leave it. Um, Unless, do, do anyone have any sort of concluding thoughts? Yeah, I would like to, you know, speak about uh, Dipendra Singhari, who really needs some credit to, you know, he has really stepped up and mm. he's yep. the one on sport. Scored a great 50, yeah. Yeah, he scored yeah. a 50 and on final he scored a quick 18 balls, 48. So he has really stepped up and, you know, he was, uh, you know, previously focusing more on the uh, force and the, you know, strike rotations, but he's uh, really hitting some success as well on this tournament. And uh, yeah, he really uh, he needs some credit as well. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's so so many of these Nepali batsmen did well that you know we we didn't even, we haven't even talked much about Asif Sheikh either. So, and also the captaincy. I mean, I would uh, speak about the captaincy of Kanendra Mola as well because you know, uh, in the absence of experienced, you know, Paras Khatka, he stepped down his order, and you know he batted at number one. Uh, you know, he used to open previously. So yeah, providing the chances to the youngsters to step up and play in the beginnings. And uh, yeah, it needs some credit to the captaincy as well. And he was a good presence. He was a good presence in the field yeah. as well. I think he managed bowling well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, led led well in the field, which is a tough job. Mm. Very tough job. So all in all, it was a great tournament to you know was live, uh, and I really enjoyed watching you know Maxwell Dow's uh, century, the first uh, centurion from Dots cricketer, and it was amazing to see from my beer eyes with my beer eyes. I mean, yeah. Well, we we were all very jealous of you being able to uh, to get to the actual ground and, yeah. and see all this cricket. Um, yeah. Well, that just about covers the Bajaj Pulsar Tri Nation Series Strength Partner Shivam Cement. I'm competing with Lenny on that one. Um, thanks a lot to Depeche, Rod, and Nashad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. Remember that you can subscribe to Emerging Cricket on all the regular podcast apps. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for loads of great audio, visual, and written content. Bye for now. Goodbye, guys, and goodbye to the listeners. Bye-bye, everyone. Namaste. Thanks again, everyone.